Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Do you feel like you have a good handle on your team? Are you happy with the people that are working for you, working with you, and that you are leading. That is the topic of today's interview. And whether you're trying to add to your team or just trying to maximize the people that are already on your team, this episode will have some valuable information for you. Our guest today is a speaker, author, podcast host, strategist, and executive coach who runs an organization called 4C Recruiting. As a leader, he built 21 teams inside of one industry across 15 years. He speaks at leadership events throughout the United States, helping leaders understand how to become the best recruiting leader possible. His podcast, Recruiting Conversations, regularly tops iTunes' top 100 inside their marketing category. He's the creator of the Recruiting Made Simple 12-week intensive coaching program that takes recruiting leaders through the process of building a personal recruiting system. His book, The Attractive Leader, Where Leading and Recruiting Overlap, lays out a simple plan for leaders who recruit to dominate their market, and it will be published in 2020. Here is Richard Milligan. Richard, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you having me today, Josh. It's an honor. Well, I like to start off every single interview with a few questions to help us to get to know you better as a leader and give us some actionable advice for our own lives. Are you ready for these? Let's go. What is some lesson saying or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? I can, I can in this moment transport myself back to literally being 27 years old. And in that moment, that was my first management opportunity. It's like I had worked from the time I've been in corporate America since I was 19 to the time I was 27. And I've been like waiting for this chance. But one of the things I was very self-aware of in that moment is that I hadn't had a mentor to really model after. So I'd been someone who had self-educated, pursued knowledge through books and seminars. Um, But I cherished a moment that I had with a really wise leader by the name of Barry Thomas. Barry was the head of sales for T-Mobile on the business-to-business side. And Barry was the guy that actually made the decision to give me a chance to lead. And I had a 30-minute conversation with him when he said, hey, here's the opportunity. We're presenting it to you. And I had literally prepared this question for Barry in advance. And I wanted to ask him, like, what's the one thing? Like, as a young leader, what's the one thing? Like, what's the one thing, like, as a leader of, like, 40 years in business that you would say my success is going to be tied to for in my career? And he said, it will always be tied to me setting the correct expectations with my people and the correct belief system with my people. And for whatever reason, that just has stuck with me for the last whatever, I guess now we're going on two and a half decades. And I come back to that in moments where I'm like, what should I do? 
And I always want to make sure that with my people that I'm setting clear expectations with them and that those expectations are tied directly to a belief system that they can accomplish whatever the expectation is. And if that belief system's not there, I want to make sure that I establish that belief system because what I found in my career is that Barry was right, that that's a very true thing. Another thing that I would give to you, Josh, is like in my mid-30s, I came across a guy by the name of Greg Gunn. And Greg is the founder of a nonprofit organization called Family ID. And ID stands for Intentional Direction. So Greg is a true visionary. I mean, this guy, he's dreaming, looking into the future. He's someone that has a very clear core value system, very clear in the vision for not just the organization that he was leading, but also for his family. And Greg taught me the importance of all that, like the importance of like having a clear core value system, being able to articulate that, having a clear idea of where you want to go into the, into the future so that you can not just um, be focused on that, but also be able to communicate that to people. Because as leaders, one of the most critical things uh, that's tied to our success is our ability to get people on board with where we're going. And so you've got to have a vision. And Greg's one of the people that early on, you know, in my su- real success has helped establish that for me. That's been something that I've held on to for the last decade. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is? I think it comes back to, and you're going to hear me say this again and again, it comes back to vision. It comes back to being clear and like where you're going and who you are. This is, I'm a, I'm a coach. And so over the course of last year, I coached 758 different leaders, either in group sessions or in one-on-one sessions. And one of the things that I found now a little over two years into this is that it is rare for a leader to be clear in where they're going. Okay. And so in this, what I'm, because of now this experience of where I come in and I coach people, I say, let's talk about your vision. Let's talk about your core value system. We start there. Like one of the things I'm very aware is that it's a golden unicorn in the business world for someone to actually have clarity around this, this, this piece. So I think a real leader, like, and these are going to be like the one of one tenth of the one percenters are going to be someone who's clear on where they're going. Someone that has clarity around their value system, but even more important than that is like someone who lives and acts in accordance and in alignment with that vision, that value system. So those are very clear to me. A leader is that. And then the other thing I would say this is that a leader is someone who believes in others way before they believe in themselves. I've just found this to be true in my experience and in the experience now of being able to be an information aggregator where I see how other leaders lead. The most successful organizations that I have an opportunity to partner with and coach are the ones that have leaders that what, what we use in terms of tier one leaders and tier one leaders. They are people that lead the belief model, not just for the organization, but lead the belief model for people inside the organization themselves. And they will believe in people way before people actually have the courage to believe that they can do something. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? There was a moment for me, this is like 2013. So I had been leading for about 11 years inside one industry. And and I have this moment where I just began to become clear that I didn't really know what the people on my team wanted to accomplish. I was really clear on like what I wanted to accomplish, but I wasn't really clear in what the people on my team wanted to accomplish. And so I can go back to 2013. I began asking a question of, to people, which was, what's your why? Like, what, what motivates you most? And one of the things I found 
is that people were actually confused by the question. <laughs> I think now we are, you know, we're now six, seven years removed from that moment. You've got someone like a Simon Sinek who's written a book about why I think we see it being used more in terms of, you know, culture and, you know, um, books today than it was six or seven years ago. But one of the things that I struggle with was like, how do I get people clear on like, what do they want to accomplish? What's important to them? So I developed a question that I would ask people because what I found is that it just framed that question a little bit different and I could get people to actually answer it well. And I could use that um, to actually help them accomplish bigger things in their career and in their life. And it would be, it was this is what is something dreamy that you want to accomplish in the next five to 10 years? And people were kind of surprised by that question. I remember asking that at the time, I think I had like 42 plus employees. And I went to, in, in 2013, I met with every single employee and I asked that question, like, what is something you want to accomplish that's dreamy in the next five to 10 years? And it was kind of a fun project for me just to get to that where I understood that. But the thing that I realized as I began to ask that question over and over again is that it took people out of whatever the current moment was in business or whatever the current moment was in their life. And it allowed them to have this moment to kind of look up from where they were to see something bigger that they wanted to accomplish. And what I found is it was almost like a seed of desire, right? It's like I'm planting just that simple question allowed me to plant a seed of desire with people where people would come alive. And then what it would allow me to do is come alongside them as a leader and help them accomplish it. And so that for me has been a question that I've held on to. And it's a question that I coach to. And it's a question I think every leader should incorporate into the arsenal of questions they ask people. What is a book that you would recommend to leaders? That's a great question. I take in a lot of content for like the last two decades plus. I've been taking in about 50 books per year. And so, you know, what's relative in terms of that's probably what's current with me. You know, in the past year, there's really been three books that have been influential with me that are definitely aligned with my belief model. You know, Craig Rochelle wrote a book um, probably seven, seven years ago called It, and it's a book about passion and how leaders tap into that kind of it factor. How do we get to our passion zones as leaders? That was influential. I recommend every leader reading that. Another one, The Life-Giving Leader, uh, Tyler Regan wrote that book, and I love that framework. Like, I think every leader, when we ju- when you just say life-giving leader, every leader wants to represent that, but I think a lot of us don't understand how to represent that. So that's another one. Here's one, Becoming a Coaching Leader. Daniel Harkavee is the founder of an organization um, that, um, that actually coaches uh, leaders and has for several decades now, and he wrote a book called Becoming a Coaching Leader. I think, you know, part of that may be that I'm a coach, but I do think that the new era of business and the the leaders who are going to be successful are going to be leaders who are coaching leaders. I would put all three of those on your book list for 2020. Now, I will include all of those in the show notes and I'll include a couple of them as a bonus. But if you had to pick one of those three for anyone who's listening to this podcast today to get started on, which one would you identify there? It would be It by Craig Rochelle. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? When we talk about leaders, I mean, just immediately we know that that a leader is someone who has people that are following them. So there's people that are underneath them. One of the biggest struggles, and I'm a recruiting leader coach, so I overlap into both lanes. I teach leaders how to re- become better recruiters, and I teach recruiters how to become better leaders. You know, so if you've got people underneath your underneath your care, I think that we, we as much as we want to grow, we also want to actually just retain the team of people that we have. 
you know, there was a moment where maybe five years ago, I, I was in a marketing, uh, reading a marketing book, and they mentioned a framework that really resonated with me. And they said that they said this, that marketers really focus on one major thing. And the one major thing that they focus on is trying to convince the consumer of only one item. And they focus on what what is that one item we need to convince the consumer of if they're going to buy our product. And so, for example, you could take an OxyClean, and OxyClean has to convince us that that uh, it can take the wine stain out of the carpet or it can take an orange Kool-Aid stain out of the carpet. And if it can do that, if they can convince us that it can do that and we have the carpet stain, then we got to buy the OxyClean. I think leadership is not that far removed from it and that I think leaders who grow and retain their team, um, they are ones that convince their teams that they will help them accomplish what's most important to them at all costs. And I, I've had leaders like that. It hasn't been a lot. But when I, have come, when I come across a leader who is all about finding out what's, what's most important to the team, most important to the individual and the team, and their primary goal is helping the team, helping the individuals accomplish whatever those things are at all cost, I think that leader is someone that's worth following. And that's someone that, can, that will have lots of success in terms of not just retaining people, but growing. Now, Richard, we have here our final arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? Man, I could probably convince you either way on that, Josh. But let me I'll tell you why. The why not framework is probably my favorite framework. Look, um, my story, my full story is, I, you know, from the time that I was, I can remember to the time I left home at the age of 19. Look, I grew up in a, in a very poor household. Never saw anyone who was really successful. I mean, we were lower class. We weren't lower middle class. We were lower class. Duct tape, tennis shoes, ate saltine crackers and milk for breakfast. I remember those moments. When I left home at the age of 19, I really had a chip on my shoulder. I mean, I love the underdog mindset. I mean, that's been my mindset, you know, most of my career. So I'm always asking myself, why not? Like, I'm, I do things. I mean, we, as an organization, my team, like, we move towards things quickly because there's several core values in our organization that we follow. One is we want to be innovators. And when I think about innovation, you know, innovation comes from asking that why not question, right? You never ask the why question to be an innovator. And innovator to me means that this is your first to act. Like you're not responding. You're actually not responding to business data, business intel. You're acting before you see the data. And so the why not question, it really forces me as a leader in our organization to um, equips us really to move quickly. And I think that business has changed. When we look at the pace that business is changing because of technology, like you have to execute way before things actually evolve in the in, in business framework today. And so I think because of that, leaders are really wise to ask why not and to empower people to actually you know, move quickly, make decisions quickly, give authority to people so that they can actually do things before the committee decides that it's approved. I think businesses that do that win at a higher rate right now. One of the things I know is that speed, it's the new currency in business. I tell my team that all the time. We want to actually move quickly and the why not question allows us to do that. Now, Richard, we are here today to talk about your work, and a lot of what you do is focused on the intersection of recruiting and leadership. First of all, what was it that got you into this focus on recruiting, and why is leadership such an important part of that? Well, the focus on recruiting, Josh, it came from 
in one industry, I spent almost 15 years. I spent 11 years of that as a leader struggling to build my team. And so, you know, I, um, you know, I was in the mortgage industry and my, what I was looking for in terms of growth was I was looking for experienced uh, salespeople that um, had books of businesses that they could bring to my organization. So I spent a lot of my time leading the current team, but also heavily focused on growing into the future. And so, you know, one of the things that happened to me in, in 2013 was I went off the grid for two weeks at the very end of 2013 going into 2014. And I said, I'm going to, at the time I'd been a producing leader, so I was producing and leading at the same time. I had five teams underneath my, my leadership. And I said, I'm going to give up all production. I'm going to transition strictly into um, growing and building teams. And so in those two weeks, I went off the grid and I said, what does it look like? It's a clean slate. I'm only going to be leading and recruiting. I'm not going to actually be, you know, operating on the operation side or actually producing. And what came from that was a lot of clarity around how I should be presenting myself as a leader, how I should, what framework people needed me to present to them in order to understand who I was, in order to trust me as a leader. And so out of those two weeks, a couple of major principles came clear to me. And one of those is this, I mapped every single person I'd hired to that point. And I said, why had they joined me? Like, what was the process and what were the reasons that I could internally articulate to myself that they had joined me? And the thing that I became clear on is that more than 90% of the people that had joined my teams did not come to me because of the business value proposition. They came to me because of my personal leadership value proposition. And that was just an epiphany moment for me where I said, I, gotta, I have to start leading when I'm presenting to people the opportunity to join my team with who I am as a leader. And so I created a framework that I called at the time attractive leadership. And that attractive leader framework was, look, I'm going to be clear on my vision. I'm going to be clear in communicating my core value system to people. And then I'm going to ensure that I have stories to share that are truthful stories that are centered around the value system so that people know that I'm living and I'm acting with, in accordance with who I say I am. And, and what I realized early on in the 2014, as I started to have some really crazy wins, I mean, in 2014, I, I actually built nine teams in one year and it just blew my mind. It blew the organization's mind that I was with. They started flying people into my market to figure out what I was doing to recruit. Um, they tried to um, help me give them framework that they could actually coach other people around because of it. But one of the things that, um, that, that came very clear to me in that season is that when I can communicate to people who I am as a leader, I'm actually building trust. And then I realized, look, this hasn't changed, right? Like 2000 years ago, the, the framework was very similar framework to what it is today in business. You, and I'm not a historian, Josh, but I go back 2000 years ago. It's like, that's an, around the era of like kings and queens and kingdoms. And there were really only two reasons why people would actually reside underneath a kingdom. And it was that you will protect me and that you'll provide for me, right? So you'll protect my, me and my family, and you'll provide for me and my family if there's a hardship. And if you will do that, I will literally serve you with my life. Now we fast forward, right? And it's no different. I think we, the titles are different, but there, it's no different. It's built around that. Now, I love the phrase you just used. You mentioned a personal leadership proposition, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about the attractive leadership framework. Does it primarily include this idea of protection and provision, or does it expand beyond that? 
That's a great question. It's an intuitive question because it's part of it. It's not all of it. I think as human beings, we're intrinsically driven to search out safety and security, right? Another framework would be, you know, the old school framework of the kings and queen would be protection and provision, right? I need to feel safe, right? That's where it all starts. But what we've found like in business today, like the recruiting landscape has changed. Businesses are doing a better job at retaining their people, um, it's harder to find good people, you know, to attract to your to your business, and so so inside the framework as as businesses change, and those things are already in place, right? I'm safe, I'm secure, my two week paycheck's coming to me, like I feel good about where I work right now. Then it becomes higher levels of human motivation, and the organizations that really get this are focused on what I call the BAM zone. So here's what the BAM zone, that's just simple framework for people to remember. But the B stands for belonging. Like we want to belong to a tribe of people who are like-minded, right? And so as we kind of go up through the lens of like, what's the highest form of human motivation? After I feel safe and secure, I want to belong to something that's bigger than just me. It's interesting. I saw in 2019, I saw a survey that said 87% of people now want to work virtually. And that kind of blew my mind because that's a huge shift for every organization to to begin adapting to. But you have things like Zoom and technology is accelerating so fast that the virtual uh, environment's an easier environment to create. But here was the flip side of that same survey. 95% of people said they would choose culture over compensation. Hmm. And those two to me were were confusing. It's like, wait a second, if 87% of people want to work virtually, but now they're saying they want culture. Isn't that like counterintuitive to each other? Because I want to work at home on my own, but I want to experience a strong culture. And so this is an area for leaders to really adapt and evolve and to try and figure out because people still want to belong. They want to have the opportunity to take the kids to school in the morning and to pick them up. They want the opportunity to go watch a baseball game. That's their kid's baseball game. But they still want the culture because we have that desire for belonging. The next level becomes affirmation. And so, you know, uh, the affirming leader is someone that's hard to leave, you know, that we know this from a psychology standpoint, like at a very young age, um, the affirming parent is more likely to have a healthy adult grow up in in their household. Affirmation is just how we've been designed. We need affirmation. So affirmation is the next level up on that BAM zone. And the highest form is meaning. We all want to have a larger meaning. For what we do in our life. And so the organizations that really figure that part out are going beyond the business. Like they actually have a nonprofit where they're serving the community. They're giving their, their employees opportunities to, you know, be a part of a Christmas tree that they are buying presents for a needy family and then presenting it to them on Christmas Eve. They're giving opportunities for them to serve Thanksgiving meals to people. They're giving them opportunities to serve at the homeless shelter and to serve food. And so we want to actually have a larger impact and larger meaning in this world. And so that becomes better framework once that basic trust levels in place. Now, a couple questions about that BAM zone. First of all, with belonging, you, you talked about how people would prefer culture over compensation and that they at the same time have a preference for working virtually. Have you figured out a good way to make those two work together? That's a good question. We're, we're, we're working on that right now inside our own organization. And you know, you have, you're going to have to get outside the comfort zone to do this, but I'll give you some pretty funny and cool examples of how we've done, we've done this internally. So we have 13 uh, uh, virtual employees and we had a 
we had a virtual Christmas party where uh, everybody shows up in an ugly Christmas sweater, but we do it inside Zoom and everyone can see each other. And we go around, you know, the entire, you know, virtual room, so to speak, and everyone shares one tradition. What's your favorite tradition that you and your family do at Christmas? And so we had a virtual party. We have a virtual recognition meeting every single year. Uh, We've had virtual meetings where it was invite your pet to the meeting day where everybody had to bring their pet. We've had invite one person in your family to the meeting day and that person uh, gets to uh, participate in the meeting. What we have found, and this is this may be crazy to, to say, Josh, we have found that because we've been intentional with this, we have created a stronger culture using technology than we could ever having an office environment. So, you know, we use apps like WhatsApp and we create communication in those within certain groups. Uh, We use Skype and we create an entire um, employee base inside Skype where everyone can communicate and say good morning and share a photo of what they're doing. So I think because of technology, this has shifted. We go back to like even 2012, which was just seven, eight years ago. I tried to connect five offices with technology. And when I worked the numbers of like, just everything was going to require from cameras and T1s and just all of the in-house stuff that had to be done in five different offices. It was over $100,000 a year to make this happen in year one. And today with some $50 a month subscription, you can actually make this happen. So I think it's easier than it's ever been to do it if you're intentional. And the next question I have is about the meaning piece. You mentioned how it's important to have a compelling meaning and I'm wondering how well you can do that for a specific team within an organization. Have you had good luck creating meaning that is team specific to what you're doing in a way that is unique compared to other teams in the organization? You know, I find that there's always two things in business. One's tension that you should manage or the one's a problem to solve. Most corporate offices have, if you're dealing with an organization that has a larger group of people, most corporations have created some form of larger meaning, right? They have a nonprofit. They're involving people at the corporate offices to serve in that. They're giving those opportunities to people. Um, What happens a lot of times is that as you begin to, in larger organizations or even in, you know, small businesses where there isn't a real strong um, corporate culture yet, where you're still working to build that, you know, you find that, um, that that's real weak. And it's an area that leaders have to focus on. I think you need to have a micro meaning at a team level. Okay. It's okay to have the macro, which is the the larger organization, but you got to have a micro and the micro doesn't have to be, you know, supporting or creating a nonprofit organization that everybody, you know, um, funnels their time and their money through within, you know, a team. It can be simple things, right? But it does need to be intentional and it does need to be aligned with the value system. And when I say align with the value system, the, the, a, t- a leader should be leading what, is the, what, are, what are the core values that, that we as an organization represent, right? And then you actually would pursue something that funnels through those core values, okay? And so it can come through very simple ideas. It can come through some of the ideas I've already shared here, or it can come through places where people actually have a, um, a, a heart tug themselves. They can go serve. You know, somewhere locally where they really desire to um, um, put their uh, time, efforts, and energies. Here's one thing that I've done as a leader in the past, and this is very um, uh, applicable to anyone that's leading a team. So I would ask the people inside the team 
to actually volunteer one place or to actually give me one place they were going to volunteer for the year. And I would empower them by letting, letting them have a day off per quarter to go serve at that. And that would be paid. Okay. At the end of every year, in, in exchange for them getting that day off to go serve out of the office being paid, everybody was asked to present that nonprofit organization or whoever, wherever they were serving, they were asked to present that to the team as a whole at a year in meeting. And then we as a team, what we did was we contributed throughout the year and we would have, it wouldn't be an amazing amount of money, Josh, it'd be $5,000 that we would contribute to whatever that nonprofit or whatever that opportunity was that they actually presented to the team. That's a very simple idea. I think every leader can do something around that, but it will only come from being very intentional. Well, Richard, I appreciate your time today on the podcast. Are there any final thoughts you have to leave with the audience, either that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet or that you would like to reiterate? Look, here's here's a big premise. And you've heard me go, you've heard me come back to this again and again and again. Be clear in your core value system. Just be clear in your core value system. Start there as a leader. I think there's three things that factor in a leader operating in this, what we, what I would, what I always call the passion zone. Like that leader's clear on their, on their why. Like what is something that you're working towards that inspires you to become more? That's part of that passion zone. Be clear on the core value system that you represent. I mean, have it written out, have it framed out to where you understand and can communicate that to people and then have a clear vision. Right. I love the definition of vision in the Hebrew, which actually means dream. Right. A lot of people look at vision and say, well, it's the finish line on a cross in 2020 or into the future. And ultimately what it is, is it's a larger dream that's actually bigger than whatever your number is. So it's a larger dream that's bigger than the current year that you're operating in. And the leader that's clear, that takes the time, this requires white space. You, you can't do this in the normal business of your day-to-day. You have to get off the grid and get to a place where you can really become clear on who you are, what you want to accomplish, what is the thing, what are the things that you value. The leader that does that, which is a just a, a golden unicorn in the business world, will be someone who's crazy passionate about what they do, and they will influence more people because of it. Well, Richard, if people have connected well with what you've had to share today, where can people go to learn more about you and your work? Sure. My website is uh, 4crecruiting.com, the number four, the letter C, recruiting.com. My, I do a podcast called Recruiting Conversations. You can actually, um, my website, recruitingconversations.com. It's also on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. But I'm very active on LinkedIn, Josh. I post there, you know, two to five times per day. Connect with me on LinkedIn. There's, there's a place that you can also continue engaging with me. All right. Well, Richard, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Josh. Before we get into the key takeaways for today, one thing that I would ask you is, have you ever thought about mapping out the reasons that every person on your team joined you? If you haven't done that, which I'm guessing that most people haven't, I think it's worth considering doing that just to think about why did the people who have come to me, why did they actually come in the first place? Was it because of the mission and the vision of what we're doing, or was it more connected to you as a leader? And depending on how you answer, it might be worth thinking about what you need to be doing to most effectively get the people on your team that you need to accomplish your mission and your vision. Now, today's three key takeaways are these. First of all, people often join leaders because of their personal leadership proposition, not because of the business value proposition. 
Once again, people often join leaders because of their personal leadership proposition, not because of the business value proposition. The second thing is once the protection and provision or safety and security piece is in place, organizations need to focus on what Richard called the BAM zone, belonging, affirmation, and meaning. And the final thing is connected to that BAM zone, and that is this. At a team level, you need to have a micro meaning in addition to the macro meaning that an organization has. So as you're thinking about your leadership, what is the micro meaning that gives purpose and drive to your team? And in line with what Richard was saying in the interview, do you have that clear vision? And if you do, are you communicating that clearly to your team? Because I think that vision and that communication make all the difference. Now, I hope you'll come back later in the week for our second episode because we're going to continue with the same recruiting theme and ask some questions about how science can work into this recruiting process as well. I hope you'll join us then, and until then, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist... It feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well. <laughs>